Jesus connected truth with life change. Jesus connected truth with life transformation. Now, all of a sudden, this discussion of truth becomes interesting to me. Thank you for joining us on Truth That Changes Lives. Pastor J.P. Jones is the senior pastor of Crossline Community Church in Laguna Hills, California, and a professor in biblical studies at Biola University. Today on Truth That Changes Lives, Pastor J.P. will be giving us a message from a series entitled Questions. Let's listen in as J.P. gives us part one of Isn't All Truth Relative? Questions. Seems like I have... um Many more questions than I have answers to these days. Maybe you the, feel the same way. But there are some questions that I think God gives us some answers to. And those answers uh, set us free. Because Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth sets you free. So we should never uh, fear or we should never feel guilty about coming to God with questions. Serious life questions, truth questions, heartfelt questions. Uh, in fact, this series is based upon the fact that all of us have questions and uh, we're looking for answers, and we're looking for answers that can make a difference in the real world. Uh, as, I, as I develop this series, as I speak each week, and even this morning as I take on this first question, I want you to know that there are uh, two audiences that I am speaking to, that I am seeking to dialogue with. One audience is the person who is curious. It's the person who really has that question as a real question. It's a real life issue for them. And so I'm trying to answer that question or give answers that I think will help the curious person take their next step in pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, the other audience that I'm speaking to is the person who's committed. It's the person who's already in a relationship with Christ, and they understand the implications of that. Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Part of being a follower of Jesus Christ is living a life of integrity and speaking words of consistency that speak to the truth of Christ to other people. In fact, Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. So part of being a follower of Christ, part of being a committed follower of Christ is being able to give answers to other people. So if you're in that, that category of someone who is committed, I'm wanting to dialogue with you to give you some answers that you can share with other people. So whether you're here as a curious person or as a committed person, we're going to take on some questions and try to find some answers. And here's the first question. It's this. Is there such a thing as absolute truth? And if so, is the Bible a reliable source of truth? It's kind of a two-part question. Is there such a thing as absolute truth? And if so, is the Bible a reliable source of truth? Last year, my son, who's a senior this year in high school, as a junior taking an English class, he came home from school one day and said that his teacher as they were studying kind of uh, the Renaissance period and the writers of the Renaissance, his teacher, reflecting that worldview, said to the class, there's no such thing as absolute truth, that all truth is relative. He made a very bold claim in the class. My son shared this with me. So I said, well, this is what I want you to do tomorrow. When you go back into your English class, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to say to your teacher, you said yesterday that, that there's no such thing as absolute truth and all truth is relative. Well, then I guess what you mean is when we have our final exam, no matter what answer I give on the exam, I'm going to get an A because it'll be true because there is no absolute truth because all truth is relative. So because you believe that all truth is relative and there is no absolute truth, my answers on the final exam will get me an A. Is that right? (laughs) And my son gave me a look like, sure, dad, that's what I'm going to say to my teacher. (laughs) 
But you understand somewhat of the absurdity of that statement. Now, I'm not trying to be critical if you happen to come from that point of view, but any perspective on truth that says truth is relative is somewhat self-defeating in any type of discussion. Um, There are different statements about that. You might have heard or you might even embrace the idea that all truth is relative. It's not a new discussion, by the way. In fact, most of us here have heard of a Greek philosopher named Socrates, Plato, who wrote to us about Socrates, wrote about a dialogue that Socrates had with a man named Protagoras. We may not have heard of Protagoras, but he was the first person who made this statement. Man is the measure of all things. That came from a guy named Protagoras. He was a contemporary of Socrates. Protagoras believed that truth was relative, that truth was subjective. Socrates believed that there was absolute truth, that truth had an absolute origin to it. And there was a dialogue between Socrates and Protagoras, and Plato recorded this very short dialogue, and it went something like this. Protagoras made the statement, truth is relative. It's only a matter of opinion. Socrates replied, you mean that truth is mere subjective opinion? Protagoras said, exactly. What is true for you is true for you. And what is true for me is true for me. Truth is subjective. So Socrates said, do you really mean that? That my opinion is true by virtue of it just being my opinion? Protagoras said, indeed I do. To which Socrates replied, my opinion is this, truth is absolute, not my opinion, but absolute, and that you, Protagoras, are absolutely in error. Since this is my opinion, then you must grant that it is true according to your philosophy. (laughs) Protagoras said, you're quite right, Socrates. (laughs) You understand that making statements that truth is relative defeats itself. Some people say there's no such thing as absolute truth, that it doesn't exist at all. But if you say that there's no such thing as absolute truth, you're making an absolute statement. And you just made an absolute statement that there's no such thing as an absolute. You see, it comes back into a vicious dialogue. Usually people who make those kind of statements, by the way, this is just, you know, first JP, write it up for that. (laughs) They're not making that kind of a statement from a very reasoned philosophical position. They're just kind of popping off something that they think will deflect any serious kind of conversation. I had a conversation with, with a student uh, up at uh, UCLA, philosophy student, said to me, there is no God. And I said, do you really mean that? And they said, yes, I mean that. So you're an atheist. Yes, I'm an atheist. So you know that there's no God. I know absolutely there's no God. I said, well, let me ask you something. And I drew a picture of a circle on a uh, yellow legal pad. I said, let's say that this circle represents everything there is to know about everything. They said, okay. I go, now, this means everything there is to know about everything. Everything about science, everything about mathematics, everything about physics, everything about engineering, everything about history, everything about language, everything about human behavior, everything about psychology, everything about man's emotional makeup, everything there is to know about everything. Okay? Okay, now, what would you say on a percentage graph that mankind currently possesses In terms of everything there is to know about everything, how much do you think mankind currently knows? And he's thinking, remember, everything about everything, how much do you think mankind currently has? And he said, I don't know, 5%. I said, okay. So I drew on a pie graph on the legal pad, little section triangle of 5%. And then I looked at him and I said, now, how about you personally right now as we're having this conversation? How much of everything there is to know do you currently possess right now? What percentage? Now, I knew he had to say less than 5%. 
So he said, 1%. I said, okay, so you would say that right now you possess 1% of everything there is to know about everything. And they said, yes. So I drew that on the legal pad in the little pie graph. So here is 99% in this big circle that you don't know anything about. That's correct? And he said, that's correct. And I took my pencil and I kind of shaded it. I said, so there's 99% of all that there is to know you don't know. Let me ask you, is it possible that God exists? And he said, well, I don't believe that God exists. I said, that's not what I'm asking you. I said, is it possible that God exists? And the 99% of stuff you don't know anything about, you don't have a personal knowledge of. Is it a possibility that God exists somewhere there? And I go, he goes, well, I guess it's a possibility. I go, ah, you're not an atheist. He said, what do you mean? I said, an atheist makes an absolute claim. I absolutely know there is no God. And you just said, there's a possibility that there's a God. And he goes, okay, I'm not an atheist. I said, you know what you are? You're an agnostic. And he said, what's an agnostic? I said, an agnostic is someone who says they don't know. Now, you don't know, but you don't think there's a God. Is that correct? He said, that's correct. I said, well, there's two types of agnostics. There's agnostics who say, I don't know and I don't care. And then there's another type that says, I don't know, but if it's possible to know, I'd like to find out. I said, which kind are you? And he said, I don't know and I don't care. I said, well, that's fine. But if you ever do want to find out, I'd love to have a conversation with you. But remember, don't ever tell anybody again that you're an atheist because you don't have absolute knowledge. See, some people will make statements that sound very philosophically compelling or they sound uh, like they are really intellectually on top of all that's going on. But those statements are merely smoke screens from dealing with real issues. I had a student up in Santa Barbara tell me the same thing. We were talking, having a conversation, and they said, well, what's true for me is true for me, and what's true for you is true for you. See, they were, they were trying to take somewhat of that ancient viewpoint that Protagoras had that basically says this. I don't even know if there is such a thing as ultimate truth. But I do know what's true for me, and you know what's true for you. So the real issue isn't a matter of ultimate, absolute truth. The real issue is what's true for you is true for you, and what's true for me is true for you. And she was trying to say that your relationship with God and your belief in God and your belief that Jesus Christ is the only way to God, that's true for you. But it's not true for me. So what's true for you is true for you, and what's true for me is true for me. And I said, wow, that's an interesting perspective. I said, uh, did you know that there are certain things that are true regardless of what we think about them. I say two plus two is four is true. Even if I thought two plus two is five, it doesn't mean it's true just because I think two plus two is five. Two plus two is four. It's a mathematical truth. There are certain transcendent truths in the area of math and science and even spiritual reality that are true because they're true. And she said, I don't, I don't agree with that. And I said, well, let's, let's suppose this. Let's suppose we went up on the top of this building. I pointed to the building across from where we were sitting. And I said, let's say you and I were standing on the top of that building. And uh, I did not believe in the law of gravity. And we were having the same discussion and it happened to do with the law of gravity. And you were saying what's true for you is true for you and what's true for me is true for me. And I say what's true for me is that gravity doesn't exist. And you're saying, no, gravity does exist. And we step off the building. What happens? She said, well, because I believe in the law of gravity, I'd fall to the ground. I said, well, what about me? I'm saying that I don't believe in the law of gravity. She said, if you step off the building but you didn't believe in the law of gravity. And I said, yeah. She said, well, you'd float up there. Now, I realized that I was either talking to someone who had lost their grip on reality 
or what actually was the case, someone who was really smarter than they let on, but they realized they'd gotten kind of painted into a corner. And rather than just being humble and say, you're right, they kept arguing all the way down to the most foolish types of conclusions. And that is exactly what people do. People argue to foolish conclusions. This is what Romans 1 says. Romans chapter 1. The good news. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew and to the Gentile. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that's by faith from the first to the last, just as is written. The righteous person lives by faith. But the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Because that which is known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen by being understood through what has been made so that all men are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. They claimed to be wise, but they became fools. You see, the real issue in this whole discussion of truth, it's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. Philosophers who've forgotten more than I'll ever know have argued conclusively against a relativistic worldview. But there are still people who want to hold on to it. There are still people who want to say what's true for me is true for me and what's true for you is true for you. But what drives them is not primarily an intellectualism. What drives them is a heart issue, you see. Because if I hold to the position that there's absolute truth, then there may be absolute moral truth. And if there's absolute moral truth, then I'm accountable to that absolute moral truth. And I don't want to be accountable. I want to do my own thing. I want to say what's true for me is true for me and what's true for you is true for you. And if you want to live that way, you can live that way. And if I want to live this way, I want to live this way. I want to be the master of my own fate. But if I buy into the idea that there's absolute truth, then there may be absolute moral truth. And if there's absolute moral truth, I'm accountable to that absolute moral truth. And I may be accountable to the one who gives the absolute moral truth, who is God. So people have tried to reason their way out of having to be accountable to God. They've come up with all kinds of worldviews. And maybe some of us have studied these. Maybe some of us are familiar with these. Maybe some of us hold these. One worldview is relativism. That's that ancient view all the way back to Protagoras, that uh, everything is relative, which has been conclusively proven illogical and self-defeating and self-refuting. But some people still hold to some type of relativistic worldview. There are no absolutes. Everything is relative. There's another worldview known as existentialism. It tries to escape from the issues of truth and absolute truth and basically says there may be absolute truth. I don't know if there's absolute truth, but all I can really know is my personal experience. And so I will make the focus of my life and my attention on my experience and trying to experience the most of whatever it is that I'm committed to or I believe in. It's my existence that I can know. There's another worldview known as skepticism. It basically says you can't know anything about anything. So you have to be skeptical of everything. But again, that's self-refuting because if you can't know anything about anything, how can you say that you can't know something about something? It's a self-refuting perspective. But there are people who try to hide behind skepticism. And then there is uh, recently a view that becomes very popular, especially in the academic world, known as postmodernism. It's 
basically just the current version of the previous three. Postmodernism basically says there may be a, a larger story behind everything. There may be an absolute truth. There may even be a God and there may even be an absolute purpose. But all I can really know is the character and the part I play. I can't even know how my part plays into the bigger story. I can only know my personal story. And I can only speak confidently about that which I personally know and can experience. Now, is there an element to truth to those ideas? Yes, of course there is. I have my own personal experience. I have my own subjective take on things. I have my emotional responses to things. But that's not the point that we're discussing. The point that we're discussing is, is there an absolute truth, and in particular an absolute truth with reference to God and reality and salvation and heaven and hell? Because that matters, you see. We could talk all day long in academic philosophical terms. What about the real stuff of life? The stuff that makes a difference for me as a man and as a husband and as a father, as a person in this world, a person who one day is going to have to face God. Quite honestly, I could care less about the philosophical academic discussion of truth. But if you're talking about truth that can make a difference in terms of how I live, now I'm interested And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said this in John chapter 8. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Wow. Jesus connected truth with freedom. Jesus connected truth with life change. Jesus connected truth with life transformation. Now, all of a sudden, this discussion of truth becomes interesting to me, and maybe to you, and maybe to the people that you, you interact with. Because now the discussion of truth is related to life experience. What a great message for all of us today. Pastor JP provides us with great insight. That is why we'd like to make it available to you on CD. Just get in touch and mention today's date. We'll send it your way for just $5. Or if you'd like to support this ministry, you can write us at Truth That Changes Lives, 23331 Molten Parkway, Laguna Hills, California, 92653 or give us a call at 949-916-0250 that's 949-916-0250 for your gift of $25 or more we will send you a signed copy of jp's new book facing goliath please join us every sunday at 9 or 11 a.m at crossline church in laguna hills the address is 23331 molten parkway laguna hills california 92653. Or check us out on the web at crosslinechurch.com. We're going to get to the address and phone number again in a moment. But before we do that, Pastor JP, do you have any insight from today's message? Thanks, Greg. Today we're talking about truth. And is there absolute truth? Well, Jesus said this, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. In fact, Jesus said truth was not just a matter of propositions or statements. Jesus said truth was found in a person. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. To come into a relationship with God, we must believe that Jesus Christ is the truth and that his words are true. The Bible really gives us no other option. Either Jesus is who he claimed to be or he's not. In fact, in a conversation I had recently with someone, I put it this way. If Jesus is who he claimed to be, then he's the Lord. If he's not who he claimed to be, then he's either a lunatic or he's a liar. You see, Jesus claimed to be God. He claimed to be the only way to eternal life. He claimed to offer the hope of forgiveness. If Jesus knew that those claims weren't true and he made them anyway, he'd be a liar. On the other hand, if Jesus really believed that they were true, 
but they weren't, then he'd be on the level of a crazy person, a lunatic. So it comes down to this. Jesus either is the truth, the Lord, or he's a liar, or he's a lunatic. What do you think? You see, the testament of the Bible is so clear that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And the Bible presents certain truths that we need to be able to understand and appropriate to our lives to experience Christ's forgiveness. We need to understand that God loves us. The Bible says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible also says that there's a problem in us experiencing God's love, and that problem's called sin. In Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we need to believe and understand the truth of God's love. We also need to believe and understand the truth of our sin. And thirdly, we need to understand and believe the truth that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The Apostle Paul is speaking, and he said, I delivered unto you what was of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised again on the third day according to the Scriptures. The truth of the Bible is that Jesus Christ took all of our sin upon himself, and when he died on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sin, and we can receive forgiveness of our sins because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible says this, though, the fourth thing we need to know and believe as the truth is that we must individually receive Jesus Christ. In John 1:12, Jesus said, But to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to them that believe on his name. And in Romans chapter 10 says, If we confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we might be saved. You see, the truth of the Bible is this. God loves us, but sin separates us from God. Jesus Christ, however, died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And when we receive Christ and believe in Christ's death and resurrection for us, our sins can be forgiven and we can be restored to a right relationship with God. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So truth is a very, very important discussion. Because Jesus said in John chapter 8, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. What we believe about truth, what we believe about Jesus as the truth, makes the difference between eternal separation from God or eternal life with God. What do you believe about the truth? Are you hiding behind some philosophical answer that there is no such thing as absolute truth or we can't know whether there's absolute truth? Are you being honest with God? Are you confessing the truth of your need for salvation? Are you confessing the truth that Jesus Christ offers forgiveness and hope and eternal life? Are you believing in the truth and receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you'd like to do that, I invite you to pray with me right now. Maybe you'd like to say something like this, Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe that you're the way, the truth, and the life. I ask you to come into my life right now. Forgive my sins. Give me the hope of eternal life. And because I believe that your promises are true, I believe you've heard this prayer, and I thank you for coming into my life right now and being my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to help you in your relationship with Christ. Please get in touch with us at Truth That Changes Lives, 23331, Molten Parkway, Laguna Hills, California, 92653. Or call us at 949-916-0250. On the internet, you will find us at crosslinechurch.com. 
We hope to see you at one of our services every Sunday at our new campus in Laguna Hills. For more information and directions, please go to crosslinechurch.com. Please join us next time on Truth That Changes Lives. The cross before you.